0: For the persecutor.
1: Welcome again. We are about to hear a conversation that I recorded in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, with John Samara. John is the founder of a ministry called Ananias House. He continues to serve as the executive director there. John is also part of the writing team for a new book, and I would encourage you to get your hands on a copy Through the Eyes of a Child Encounters with God in the Middle East. He's going to tell us more about that in just a few minutes. But first, let's get an idea of the kind of persecution that gospel workers in the Middle East face. When John and I recorded this interview, our hearts were heavy. I think you'll hear the concern in his voice because one of John's co-workers had been kidnapped by a terrorist group. He was being held even as we had this conversation. I am so happy to report that God has answered prayers on behalf of of that gospel worker. He was rescued. He is back with his family today. He says that he held on to several verses during the long weeks in captivity, and his captivity was very difficult. He was blindfolded for much of the time. He didn't know if it was day or night. But one of the verses he held on to was Psalm twenty-seven fourteen: Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. He was waiting for the Lord, and we are so thankful that the Lord did give him courage. The Lord did rescue him from that terrible situation. We didn't know the ending to that story when John and I had this conversation, so you'll get a sense of his heavy heart. You'll get a sense of the risk that gospel workers take to share Christ in the Middle East.
2: Just want to really lift up our friends, Ain. he's uh, one of our— church partners worker in work he's a pastor work in one of the country been kidnapped and threatened to be hanged i cannot share much detail for the security of those who are working on the case and for other but we definitely want to seek the voices of the body of christ to pray for our brother his young man uh, recently uh, been serving and and just gone through the ordination process and serving as a pastor. His heart was just to take the gospel and build the church and God was doing something unique. People coming to know Jesus Christ and he was taken and kidnapped and threatened to be hanged. Also, the church has been threatened to be destroyed by that specific group. He, they're just newly married a couple, two years ago and they have a child, a baby in their hand, faithful servant to the Lord. Uh, his heart is to invest in the church so that to make disciple. And as God's been using him, uh, the message: Christ love that people group, and the message that goes out: Christ is not your enemy. Christ love you. We
1: love you. One of the things that. He did as a as a young believer hmm. was memorize, set out to yeah. memorize the New Testament. Yeah, I, I feel good if I memorize a few verses, I feel pretty proud of myself. Yeah, he set out to memorize the New Testament. I just think how uniquely that has prepared him for this circumstance. He exactly. has the Bible with him because he has it in his heart. He has it in his mind. Yeah. John, what is the heart, what is the mission behind printing this book and sending it out into the world?
2: In our study and our research, we found a majority of the current leadership of the church came to the Lord when they're young age and 13 years That A lot of 14, 15, 16, 17, 13 years old who made commitment to follow Jesus Christ, they have become the leaders of the church today. So we start working with schools, planting schools, and taking these people we have no education, lost hope, they have dreams, but they have no means to achieve their means. To Tra- educate them to be lawyers, engineers, but... Educate them with the gospel. Give them the gospel. And we're seeing them coming to follow Jesus Christ. And they're becoming a follower. And we tell everybody, their parents. And sometimes it's just incredible talk because their parents are a member of ISIS. But we're, we're giving them Jesus. That's the sign. And we do not know why they want their kids. We have a wait, hundreds of waiting lists. And, and so here we are giving them. And these kids are coming to know Jesus. But they're experiencing hardship, struggle. They are the first to sacrament. They're loved. There is no doubt but in that community, in that culture of honor and shape, in the Muslim world, they are one to be, the first to be let go. know, I was just experiencing about sharing a story about this young eighth grader, and, and here she is, tears, agony, because she had two options. The eighth grade, she had two options to be married to either to ISIS, one of her relatives is, in, uh, is an ISIS fighter in one of the Middle Eastern country, so they were gonna send her cross country to marry him, the other As an option. Eighth grader. eighth grader. Wow. The other, other option was to marry seventy six years old in another country. And she came, she's free show she went to be a lawyer, human rights lawyer.
1: Which if she gets married, her education is done. She will not get any further.
2: No doubt. And so here she is. The teacher came around, sir. They just start lifting the, before the Lord that situation. All the teacher came. And as they begin to lift the Lord, the next day she came to school, she had a different look on her face. She had this smile, massive smile on her face and the teacher just roamed and jumped on her. What is going on? And she, and she began to tell him, my parents decided that the guy, the ISIS, is just the sur- to cross country to get all of that, get her across. It is too complicated. We're not going to do that anymore. They're shutting down that proposal. And the other one, is there something not right about it? And they decided to shut down the 76 years old. And the teacher started jumping up and down. And she says, dude, do you know why? She said, because Jesus. Because we pray to Jesus because of Jesus. When Jesus' presence is so amazing, there are stories of how one. Well, one of the stories I was just really fascinated. It broke my heart. I was, I thought, and I wept for this man, young man, that his father, because of desperation, economical crisis, he sold him, and he sold him to ISIS without the knowledge of his son. Mm-hmm. And when he was sold him, he just took him, sent him back, and. And he's one of the students in, in that country, but it's uh, in one of the schools we have in one of the countries in the Middle East, and it's among refugees. He sent him without his knowledge, and it broke the heart of our leadership of the schools in that country. And what happened is... We know he's there. We don't know what's happening. And we don't know what he's been used. But we know he heard the gospel. Mm-hmm. See, the stories like that, we uh, I have hope because the thing is we do not know the ending of the story of the right. gospel. And we never have the ending the of the story. The seeds have been planted. The seed has been planted. We don't know when that's going to grow. Our cry before the Lord that there will be a church among ISIS member in the future that I might not hear about it in my age. It might be in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years somebody will say, because of that story, Mm -hmm. there was a church. See, the thing is, we have to trust and we have to be faithful and obedient in planting those seeds. I know one of the stories that really, I was very involved hand on in one of the North Africa country in this book, watching this 17 years old being um, violated as we're trying to rescue her, but she was captured and violated in prison 17 years old, because of her faith, because she left her religion and to follow Jesus Christ. And because she got caught, she was looked down above because she's a child, she's a woman, she has no value, and that was easy victim because she's an infidel as well. She's an infidel. But her mind in the midst of it was glory to God. I was thinking and I was sharing how she was thinking, she was telling me how she was violated, and she was talking and she's thinking of, of of God can turn all good for the good for those who love him. And she was thinking of the song and she was worshiping in her mind, I raise a hallelujah in the presence of the enemy. And she was repeating these verses and it was just amazing because it lifted her up to make her not a victim, to make her into a glory of the presence of the Lord. Sometimes we want to highlight the children. We want to highlight those because we believe they are the future leader through their hardship. Because when they struggle at that age for their faith, they know the cost. They counted the cost.
1: One of the things the Bible tells us to do is to love our enemies. Mm. As we think about Christians across the Middle East and North Africa in a very Muslim context, it would be easy to see Muslims as our enemies. Mm. Yeah. I don't necessarily, you know, I don't, I don't condone that. I, we want to say they are people Jesus died for, people that Jesus loves. Exactly. How do you see the church loving their enemies? And and I'll put that in quotes: loving their enemies in that region. And, and we we talked about it with the earthquake, right. going to help people regardless of what faith background they are. Saying, hey, we're here to help you. Right. We have food. We have a place for you to stay. How? What are other examples of yeah. of loving our enemies?
2: I, I love how the church reach out to the one who are persecuting them the one who are bringing pain and suffering to them and i i i love that example i shared about this a 14 years old was taken by a radical group like isis and kidnapped and uh, he was beaten beaten severely just to convert to islam and to repeat the statement of faith now 14 years old, been beating, and he kind of to the point where he couldn't even hear his own voice of cry. At one point, you just decide to say, yeah, I, I." he said the Islamic statement, but he felt in his heart, I betrayed Christ. I betrayed Jesus. He was released after, and weeks after being kidnapped. 14 years old today, he's 21 years old, and working on reaching out. He's in the home of those people, the same people who have kidnapping people group sharing the gospel, discipling people. Wow. He's working with the church. Majority of that church he's in is a Muslim background believer. The fact is, he came out of that experience. He could not see one Muslim in a church. He said, I could not see them. I could not accept them in the church, but what God worked in his heart and with the leadership. And his leader was former radical, came to Christ. He's a Muslim background believer, leading that network of churches, and he's serving under him right now discipling people from that background. Love is not something that we can give is something that only Christ in us we can offer through Christ in us. We believe we are, as in many ways, we are a victim of the violence that we receive, but we are not a victim because they are the victim of a spirit, a spirit of Islam. So our prayer that they would be released from that spirit and we have a task and a message to share the love of Christ because Jesus is not their enemy. Christ is not their enemy. The church is not their enemy. Christ loved them and the church there to represent to reflect Christ's love to them God's doing something beyond what we can imagine
1: John let's talk about your work and i want to especially talk about training up women leaders within the church in the middle east and north africa why why is it so significant to raise up women female leaders within the church
2: Women in the Muslim world in one area in the Middle East and North Africa, and majority of the Muslim Muslim world women are treated not with respect as they are just a tool in many many components not not all Muslim like that there are a lot of men love their wives but in general, one of the stories that really impacted me to watch one one of the uh, story of uh, that happened in Turkey, one of the women who was violated in her family went to the person who violated her, asking him to marry her. And if he choose not to, she will lose her life by her family because of the honor and shame. So so, so it just, it's just the fact to kind of define they are how it's viewed, women viewed. They have no right in many ways. And because of the cultural as well and the honor and shame culture. So one of the things that we notice in the church, a lot of the men left evacuated. And so women in those churches step into the leadership. So our hearts became about coming alongside women, the need of the church, women in the church serving and equipping the leader, the woman leadership in the church, and especially those who are serving among women. Like how can you be discipled as a woman and help other women be discipled? Mm-hmm. Healing, trauma healing, the fact that is, I don't wanna give percentage, but if not all, high percentage of women in that part of the world are traumatized. PTSD. I mean, I mean, every everything you can imagine. Dealing with, you cannot have a healthy relationship if you are traumatized with the people around you or even with the Lord. So we were dealing with these issues, and we are trying to serve how uh, with counseling and help them to help other women mm-hmm. to get counsel as well that they are serving. And the third leadership, leadership skill: their identity in Christ, opposing to what the identity in the community they find, in conflict to that identity. Help them find their identity in Christ, who they are as a leader in those churches, and it's not easy task, to Todd, because you're finding against this generation. I mean, 1,400 years of influence, and not them experiencing that. Their grandmother experienced, their great grandmother experienced, so they're inheriting all of that burden and oppression. And so, as you begin to find, it's a five years of program that every year they go through those topics, to go deeper and deeper and deeper to make a difference in their life. And we just begin to see an impact, slow impact. And it's amazing because God began to heal and the healing that began to take place. You see the flourishing of the church in that as well.
1: And it's important for our listeners to understand in a Muslim context, it is impossible Correct me if I'm wrong. It is impossible for a male figure who's not a family member to minister to a woman in any way.
2: In a certain nation, uh, uh, we're very kind of by the Sharia law. Yes, that is almost forbidden.
1: So equipping women to reach women is, in many cases, the only way to reach women. Exactly. It has to be another woman who's going to share the gospel with them.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And we're seeing God using women and how God using women to bring their husband and they become leaders in the church as well. But there is a large percentage of the church in the in, in the Muslim world are coming. Uh, there are higher percentage in the women in the Muslim world. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones who are bringing their husband to faith.
1: I want to finish with one final story because I know we read in the Bible about Jesus feeding 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. Uh, some of the children in one of the schools that you support prayed kind of prayed the same thing yeah. Jesus we don't have enough food help us tell that story because I think it will just it's so encouraging to see the faith of a young child to say well it says in the bible that Jesus does this so, of course, I'm going to ask him to do it.
2: Yeah, I mean, one of the school, and these are kind of coming from a majority background, really uh, kids, and they came into the school. They're supposed to have a potluck, but they're poverty, they're struggling, they have no food. A majority of the kids did not bring anything except three kids out of the nine <laughs> brought just their own lunch, just a bit food. It was one loaf of bread and a half. They had and some rice, a bit of rice. And the teacher forgot to bring her own. (laughs) So what they did, she said, well, let's gather. And she felt awkward, but she said, let's gather and pray. Uh, And these kids around sat around that table, and they prayed over the food. And they all ate, all nine of them ate. But they had leftover, Todd. And they took the leftover, and they offered to the next class next to them. And they all ate the next class, and the kids took some of the food back with them home. To their own home, the child came back, and I listened and I talked to that child. She said, I could not sleep thinking how, because I know how much we I brought and the other two brought, how all everybody ate, and I have some bags. She couldn't understand, and she said, "Because of Jesus, because we prayed to Jesus." And she keeps thinking, "Is this we pray to Jesus?" And this is hap, is this miracle that how God heard the desperation of a child' prayer. And they got to know Jesus that way.
0: It's just amazing. You get to see
2: the history of the Bible, read it. Now, I don't know what to think of this except, Lord, you are sovereign. Mm -hmm. You are sovereign. You use every method, every voice to make your name known. It's not about the
1: miracle. It's about him being known. We pray to Jesus and things happen. Things Things change. He answers our prayer. He works in our lives. We're going to finish up with prayer because we want to invite Amen. our listeners to yes. pray to Jesus. Yes. First, on behalf of Ananias House, how, what are the things we can pray for, for your work, for the ministry, for the needs that you have right now?
2: Thank you, Todd. Uh, wisdom. Uh, we need a lot of wisdom. We work in a very difficult part of the world, and uh, sometimes we feel like we don't know what to do with a lot of the attacks, and some of them very uh, close to heart persecution cases, uh, situations, uh, threats. We just have to take it. We all can do take it before the Lord and just so pray for wisdom for us. And also that God, as we go, and the need is massive in that region in itself. Uh, As we go in, as we go into country and equip the church and walk alongside of it, how can we equip it well? I mean, that's one of the things that we want to pray for. God will give us strength, uh, as we do this And also I want to pray for The current leadership Of the churches There's a lot of church today We are working with Todd Under massive threat Real threats And there are being threatened uh, Some of the individual In the churches being threatened And when some of Churches in itself The physical part being threatened Being hit by missiles And uh, going to attack them And more kidnapping And so we don't know What's the ending I pray for wisdom for us as we deal with all of that. But as we well pray, as we try to focus on the future generation of the church and empower the future generation, God will give us as well the direction uh, and the protection of those people we are equipping and training and the students we are part of their life, the children.
1: Last question, as we think more broadly, and, and you've answered this a little bit, but as we think of Christians... Living in the Middle East, living in North Africa, living under these threats, living under these dangers, Mm. how do we pray for them? How do we pray for God Mm. to work through them?
2: Amen. Pray for encouragement that God will lift their spirit. Sometimes they're not seeking to be persecuted, but they're seeking to glorify God. And with that in itself, Satan is
1: threatened. Right. Persecution will come.
2: Will come. Pray for encouragement, the strength, that Scripture continue to be alive. We're just honored to be serving alongside our, our, our people and, to, and their sacrifices. But then, uh, again, I think one of the things that we can pray for their families, uh, for their wives, for their children as well, uh, as they're serving the Lord, because they get the pain and they get the hit. Some of them lose their job just because of their faith, and they have no mean of living. That's one of things we've been seeing, and they're trying to plant their church at the same time. Uh, so there's a lot of attack could be severe or could be minor. And so I think one of the things that we want to pray for them, we're not living in the same days as we did yesterday. These days is different battles the church is going to be facing. We've seen the growth of the church. Previously, and we're seeing numbers of people coming to faith, and tens of thousands and millions of Muslim coming to faith. We're just entering the gate of persecution, Todd. That's where we feel as in a nice house. We just entered that stage, and this is going to be a tough season. Mm-hmm. So pray, pray for encouragement, because we need we need warriors. And there is some time we cannot do anything physically, but we can do a lot with our prayers.
1: We can do a lot. John Samara, what what a blessing it is to uh, have you here, to be able to share these stories, and we will pray. We will pray for you. We will pray for the workers, uh, and may God give you the wisdom that you desire from him.
2: Yes, amen. Thank you. We believe in that. We believe in prayer, Todd. We thank you all for praying with us.
0: Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them, and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax-deductible in Australia. This has been a production of VOM Oz Radio, Voice for the Persecuted.